You are listening to It Matters SF, a social issues talk show that breaks down sensational headlines and gives you the tools to filter out what really matters. Today, we finish up the history of the census through 2000 and 2010. Then we get into the 2020 census. That's right. Today's episode breaks down the house since we left off, what that means for the 2020 census, and we'll dive into the 2018 midterm results which flipped the House to what is now a Democratic majority. We'll also go over some congressional hearings from the past year that were conducted by the new incoming freshman House reps who, yes, are women, and they're killing it. Mm. Thanks for listening. And don't forget about our local policy coverage. We've got shows coming up that will break down all the House candidates in California, as well as Board of Supervisors we're voting for in SF. All sources for our episodes are on our website at itmatterssf.com. But of course, you can always reach out on our Insta or Facebook at itmatterssf or email us directly at itmatterssf at gmail.com. In part one of the census, we dove into the history of the undercount, or everyone who isn't included in the census. That spans the first couple hundred years of America, so let's do a little recap. Of course. After all of our research, it was compelling but mostly just obvious that the census was created as a population count to enhance the lives of white people, more specifically white men, And remember, this is literally the birth of America. In part one, we learned that the census has a long history of undercounting people of color and minorities. And it was actually written into our Constitution that only three of every five enslaved people were counted in the census. The three-fifths compromise instantly leads to an undercount of enslaved African Americans. Just so we're clear... We were doomed from the start. Census for census, when it was being counted by U.S. Marshals throughout the 13 colonies, 3.9 million people were accounted for. And even then, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were skeptical about those numbers. Soon after the census began, they were already using census data to redraw district lines, boundaries to keep power and or, you know, help others succeed, which, of course, is called gerrymandering. But they didn't stop there. By the mid-1800s, more white European settlers came to the South to push out and or kill indigenous people who, by the way, were never properly accounted for, even as they signed treaties to protect them. This removal of indigenous people, now known as the Trail of Tears, killed 25% of the population and ultimately (sighs) leads to the expansion of America to grow West. And then boom! America is born. America. Yes, when you spell America, it's with the three Ks. Okay. How it's always been spelled. So, as the population begins to grow and following the Civil War, the census also begins to ask race and citizenship questions. This will not only be used for racial redlining and cutting out resources to parts of the population, aka all minorities. But mostly it instills fear into the American population who has a long history of systemic racism. The whole history. Exactly. (laughs) This question has been removed from the long survey uh, since the 1950s. But as we'll soon see, the question of citizenship shows its ugly head again in preparation for the 2020 census. So from emancipation in the 1860s until the 1960s movement, those population numbers were relatively stagnant. 
not including large numbers of the country's inhabitants for many reasons, which we laid out in part one. Generally speaking, there's usually around 20 million people added to the census every 10 years, but during the civil rights movement, that number reached almost 30 million people. And in 1970, it went back to around 20 million new people. This has remained relatively stagnant until 2000, which we'll get into shortly. And we also have to mention that collecting the census has never been perfect. The first census was conducted by U.S. Marshals on horseback, and then once the Census Bureau was formed, they hired and trained enumerators to conduct the census by foot. The 1960 census, 170 years after the first census, was the first time the census could be filled out by mail. But mailing lists that the Bureau collected was either out of date or biased against low income and to people of color. So with technology advancing and us filling out the census online for the first time this year, we still have to remember that doing it online won't solve the problems of the communities being undercounted. It's 2020. How exactly does an undercount still happen? Well, bet it had to do with that depleted budget, Megan. So as we approach the 2000 census, everything is normal because remember the undercount is normal Mm. but both the house and senate are republican meaning they're making the laws and protocols surrounding that year's census legislative branch house of reps hello there is a 9.4 billion dollar budget for the census but a few other things affect the results of that population count again in 2000 we reached 30 million more people added to the census that we hadn't seen since the civil rights movement. That's right. Just based on the 2000 census, the U.S. had a 13% population increase, which is the highest in the last 40 years. The population really peaked from 1996 to 1999. It looks like our undercount was starting to show some progress being made in counting in the census. Here are a few things that affected that census. Remember these because they'll come up in both the 2010 and the 2020 census as well. The first reason there was such a large population following the 2000 census was that mail-in responses reached a high for the first time in decades at 67% in 2000. That means people were aware of the census and it was filled out even before canvassers had to go around for the non-responsive households. Another reason is something that's hard to skim while we mention in passing, but soldiers were in many cases not counted during census year if they were deployed or stationed in another state for a long period of time. This has since changed, which helped inflate the population count in 2000 as well. A third reason for this increase in population count was due to the increase of field workers or canvassers throughout the 520 census offices around the U.S. So that really helped too. And finally, probably the most important reason the census had a record number of participants is because President Clinton publicly called for the importance of needing a clear and accurate picture of the country. Let's play a clip of President Clinton making fun of Republicans for not wanting demographic questions on the census. Yes, please do. I want to be president of the Senate Spouses Club. You know, it's a big hot issue on Capitol Hill is today that the majority party, otherwise known as the Republicans, are raising a ruckus about this census long form. They say these questions are too intrusive. (laughs) Maybe it's just a matter of perspective. Depends on whether you're the asker or the answerer. But I'd be pretty hard pressed to call these questions intrusive. 
You should look at the questionnaire those guys sent me. So just remember this video later in the episode and specifically the fact that Republicans didn't want demographic questions added to the census. Just going to leave that little tidbit for yeah, later. Don't forget. <laughs> Uh, so there was not only a record number population count following the 2000 census, but we also see that the population of the U.S. as a whole is continuing to move west from the original 13 colonies or the East Coast. The Republicans still had power over Congress, but has lost some along the way. Democrats gained a seat or two before the 2010 census. Sarah, 2010. What happened? Okay, so 2010, it obviously depends on what our Congress looks like. And for most of the Bush administration, we had a majority Republican House of Reps and Senate. Then at the start of the Obama administration, flip the script, we had a Democratic House and Senate, which is probably how we ended up with a very large and very well-rounded budget for the 2010 census. That budget? There. Thirteen billion dollars. Thirteen billion, right? Please, how in the hell did thirteen billion happen? One reason for the large budget was actually a bit of a mistake on the Census Bureau's part. Break it down, girl. Yeah. Let me know. So you see, as we all kind of know in San Francisco, Tech Tech Central, mm -hmm. they introduced these new handheld devices. Oh, <laughs> literally from wrong. where we used to work, uh, <laughs> leading to the 2010 <laughs> census. These were meant to update maps of households and in general update to the to technology used by canvassers to locate non-responders. This technology didn't end up making it to the census. And the mistake cost around $4 billion. Can I just say real quick, going back to where we used to work, we had handhelds. And when we get new, we got new servers and we would train them all on these new handhelds. And when they would go down, they'd be like, how do I take an order? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, girl, and we, us who've been serving for so long. Like, we've been working on this episode for a month and this is the first yeah. time we yeah. talked about this. I don't know how that just happened. How do I add extra guac? We I didn't look at each other in the eye just now yeah, and somehow like, we all just it all connected. Like, handheld devices, yeah. triggered. We all got like that PTSD like. Literally, <laughs> do not take me back. Uh, that sorry, I derailed that real quick. So it was a four billion dollar mistake. These handhelds, right? And so Marta mentioned a thirteen thirteen billion dollar budget. Originally, it was eleven billion, and by the end of it, the thirteen was partly because of these handhelds. Got it. Eleven billion is still pretty healthy. Yeah. that's still a pretty I mean, good compared budget. to other years. Two yeah. billion more yeah. than yeah. yeah. So even if there was this little mishap between the technology, tablets, and stuff, the 2010 census is the most accurate in having a population count throughout our history, thus far. One seventy years later. <laughs> I like, know. Now let's get a little accurate. I know it's kind of it's kind of really <laughs> sad. Where I'm like, we're finally being accurate, and it's like, oh wait, but how long has the census been around? How much money did it take? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so damn. after the 2010 census, the final count shows roughly 40 percent of the of the population growth came from migration from the Northeast, which is a huge number, and that directly affects states like California, the West. So as Megan mentioned, these numbers in the West have been gaining traction since emancipation. The 2010 census was the first time in U.S. history where the Western region, the states last to join the Union, had a larger population than in the Midwest. 
but we'll still see Republican states gain represent representatives like Florida, Texas, and Georgia. So this leaves us with a Republican majority Congress following the 2010 census. So this is insanely crazy, but we started part one in 1779. We're now in 2010, and officially the population has evened out across the country. That's what we were just saying. Is that crazy? How long it's, did that take? How long did it insane? take you to just get this? Girl? No, okay. <laughs> no, but like, is that it's, crazy? It uh, is like 150, 200 years, and like we're literally just now getting there. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's well, I mean, I think the question that needs to be answered is yes, like we were moving west into like Democrat controlled states, but and, like how did this happen? Like, how is a House Republican if right. it was like supposed to be Democratic? Right. Or at least like. A larger population in democratic states. Yes, that's totally fair. A Western moving population can mean that a lot of the values from the North and Southeast are coming to more liberal areas. We discussed that right around the Civil War, black and brown people were already moving West as some new states weren't necessarily allowing slavery. We know that this leads to a civil war. But it's important to understand that shifts happening in the last hundred years because of Hollywood, tech, etc. This is literally just gentrification. But when you have conservative ideas taking over liberal areas or vice versa, you can get conflicting representation in your district based on who has power or the white people moving in, getting into politics just to hurt the people around them. Wow. So when you got the power, you could do whatever you want. That's politics for you, honey. That's one of my characters I'm trying out. I'm sorry. We have, we have four guests here. here. It's Sam, <laughs> Megan, Mikey, and Marta. <laughs> um, it's okay, so the 2000 and 2000. Mikey 2000- and Marta. <laughs> hey, yo, Mikey. I, okay. There's so people in here. Sorry. That's politics for you. Yes, it is. So that's 2000 and 2010 census. We've caught up on our history or her stream. And before we get into 2020, let's take a little break. Hear how to fill out the census from a very sexy, sexy speaker. Ah. Mm-hmm. Ooh. You should have received a letter through the mail about how to fill out the U.S. Census that looks like this. It provides a website or phone number and includes a 12-digit ID. You can fill out the questionnaire online at my2020census.gov and choose what language you prefer to complete the U.S. Census. Next, enter the 12-digit census ID provided by mail or left at your door. You will have to confirm your address and provide your name and telephone number. Then you will start the process which takes about 10 minutes. If you prefer to answer the questions over the phone, there will be a number in the letter mailed to you. And you can also call that number and request to answer the questions by mail. Remember, all your answers are kept confidential. And failing to fill out the census can result in a census taker showing up at your home to collect the answers in person. And without further ado, the 2020 census budget. Whoop, whoop. The budget for the 2020 census came out in 2017, and it's been drama ever since. The budget coming in at $6.3 billion is lower than the 2000 that gave us numbers that we hadn't seen since the 60s. Not to mention, lower than the 2010 budget, which gave us the most accurate results we've seen. You might ask, why was there such a stink about this budget? 
Usually, if you have a healthy budget dedicated to census gathering, each state then provides local organizations to funding they need to gather the actual census data, especially in hard-to-count communities, but unfortunately, that's not happening, and here's why. As I've said before, the years leading up to the decennial census determine how much money, time, dedication will go into the census preparation. In 2006, under the Obama administration, there was a 79% budget increase to ramp up the upcoming 2010 census. But under our current administration, not only is the budget the lowest it's been in two decades, Congress has only made a 23% budget increase in efforts to prepare for this year's census. See the difference? Proper budget, more accurate results. What a concept. Right? Makes sense. So as we mentioned earlier, there was a major population increase right at the end of the 20th century, and a lot of the growth came from bordering states like California, Texas, and Arizona. By the 2010 census, each of these states will have gained over a million people during the decade, which accounted for over half, which is 54%, of the overall population increase in the U.S. These drastic population increases are mostly due to Latin American countries experiencing civil wars, who were forced to leave their home countries and emigrate to America, seeking asylum amongst other things like, I don't know, job security and the right to live, maybe? Eh, you know, what a concept. And we can't forget to point out the U.S. involvement in these civil wars that forced Latin American people to flee. Whoop! Well, there it is. But even though we have these population increases amongst minority groups, it's still predicted there will be yet another undercount due to the census budget being cut by 50%. Just as a reminder, it went from a healthy $13 billion budget dedicated to the 2010 census to now a depraved $6 billion under our current administration. So yeah, $6 billion. Gee, thanks. It's important to caveat that the decision to cut the budget was actually made years ago back in 2017, before we flipped the House in 2018 uh, midterm elections. So we know the budget is a major reason for the undercount, but what else do we know going into the 2020 census? Well, we'll still see an undercount, especially among minorities. For starters, people do not trust our government. We've already talked about how in the 1940s, during the Japanese internment camps, it was later revealed that that information gathered from the census was used to help locate Japanese-American families all along the West Coast. Also, after 9-11, the census was used to put Arab-American communities under surveillance. America really shows its true colors every time it's under attack, and usually it punishes its own citizens because of uh, <laughs> uh, racism. Mm. But I digress. <laughs> Other reasons for another undercount in 2020. One, citizen question again. Two, there's a big push for online responses, but the reality is one out of nine Americans don't even have access to the internet. Keep in mind, all libraries are still currently closed due to the pandemic. Also, those hard-to-reach communities, people who live in apartment complexes and depend on field workers, will most likely be forgotten and or undercounted. The Census Bureau hired 120,000 less this time around for door-to-door -door canvassing, and this was prior to the COVID-19 shutdown. 
Here's Detroit rep Rashida Talib explaining the problems with pushing online responses as the main reason to cut the census budget. One of the things that I think we've been kind of distracted in understanding, there is so much, again, emphasis on uh, investing only on having this all be online. And in return, they're saying, if we're going to go online, then we don't need that many folks on the ground. Secretary Ross came before this committee and specifically said he was reducing these offices by 50%, primarily because they were going online. Do you know one out of nine Americans don't have access to internet? And not only that, combine that with the fact that they're going to hire 125,000 pe less people, fewer people, uh, to actually try to get people counted. Okay, so the budget for the 2020 census started coming in in 2017, which we've mentioned, and was already raising red flags. However, not much fuss was being made until 2018, we flipped the house. Uh. We had a record number of voting in the midterm elections of 2018, resulting in the most inclusive Congress we've ever had. What a concept, right? Mm. Mm -mm. If you haven't checked out this Congress in action, Hop over to C-SPAN and look at what's been happening over the past two years. It's wild. AOC, Presley, Omar, Talib, we fucking love you. That's right. After the 2018 midterm elections, we now have the most demographically diverse Congress. There are 101 women in the House, the mm. largest in U.S. history, and our Congress has never been so diverse in age group, religious beliefs, ethnicity, and sexual orientation. All to say, obviously, that the people fighting for our communities are doing their part, but they can't get there without us, so it's very important to vote. And please register to vote. Remember the citizenship question that was removed in the census in part one? Well, the question was brought up for the 2020 census. And although it is not in the census now, reps want to know why it was even there. In addition, the Congress had questions about race questions changing canvassing, or lack thereof, and why the RNC was sending out census-like pamphlets so close to this upcoming census. Here's another clip of Rashida Talib speaking at last year's congressional hearing regarding the race category on our upcoming census. We are all rightfully concerned about communities like mine uh, that are at serious risk of being undercounted in 2020 census. But something I'm particularly concerned about is the lack of representation on the form of people who look like me. Starting in 2015, a research effort spanned years under the previous administration, which pushed to add the new category to the 2020 survey called Middle Eastern North African, or what we call MENA. In 2015, Director, the category went into the field for testing, and based on the findings, the Census Bureau recommended the inclusion of MENA category in the 2020 census. Despite these findings, however, the Census Bureau announced under the current administration that MENA category would not be included in the census. Dr. Dillingham, do, do I look white to you? Congresswoman, I, I think that uh, uh, if you tell me what you identify with, and I, I think I would respect that. Sure. So, Dr. Director, are you aware that people like me who are Arab, Middle Eastern, North African have to indicate that they're white on the U.S. Census? There was a process in, 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 in deciding um, before, certainly before I got to the census, and there's a history to coming up with the questions and, and, and the race and the ethnicity categories, the OMB... No, they ignored uh, it. But, but, Director, but, before you... Yeah. But they ignored it. The previous administration decided to put me on the form. They ignored it. You're not giving me an option because let me tell you, there's, there's a reason why the recommendation happened. Yeah. Because 
what's circling white on the census changed my lived experience as a person of color in our country, right? Even saying that, you understand there's a difference when you actually have the checkoff box. Because the MENA community, like others, relies on accurate census representation for health research, director, Certainly. language assistant, civil rights laws, and reporting educational outcomes. In addition, it would help address things like crime reporting, director, uh, helping minority business owners get loans, and drawing congressional and state legislative boundaries. The 2020 census will not include a Middle Eastern, North African, MENA for short, category, which in turn takes away valuable resources for those communities. Rashida explains in the congressional hearing that although the Census Bureau director respects whatever race she would like to choose to identify with, but this white man misses the fucking point that the options to choose from are the problem. And under their options, Rashida is identified as uh, white. Yeah. So you get why we had to shout out some of our favorite freshman congresswomen from 2018. Hell yeah. They're killing it. Mm -hmm. Not only is it incredibly important to include demographic information in the census, but we have already fielded and tested these questions. Been here, done that. Mm -hmm. We did it. Mm -hmm. 2000 was the first time you could choose multiple race categories. And by 2010, those options were even more inclusive. However... Prior to the 2020 census, those race options again changed. Rashida directly refers to those communities and how this info will keep resources from people who are paying for them in their taxes. And I wonder why. Not only are they limiting the questions on demographics, the hearings address the intended additions to the citizenship question on the census. But it won't be on the census. The mere question from this administration is under fire. Here's a clip of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, asking the question about the citizenship question being brought up. I think after the past year of so many developments going on, particularly when it comes to the question on um, documented status on the census, there's a lot of um, havoc and confusion that has been unleashed in the electorate, which uh, we know has really created a lot of fear in communities around one of the most important constitutional operations that we have to that we have to conduct. So let's clarify some things. Ms. Gupta, there is a potential political motive as to why somebody would want to undercount certain communities in the census. Yes, I would say that the citizenship litigation and the Supreme Court um, found that uh, even just the, the kind of impetus and motive for adding that question was motivated by partisan gain. And Dr. Thomas Hoffler's uh, memos that were discovered in the course of that litigation unfortunately revealed that there was an effort to weaponize the census for partisan gain when, in fact, it should be a core government institution and function that is free from politics. So we have seen that there's a documented paper trail here that the desire to scare our, our immigrant communities out of answering the census is to help and add, add political uh, gain to the Trump administration and potentially partisan, partisan uh, along partisan lines, correct? I would say that, unfortunately, we have some pretty concrete evidence of that being the case. Again, look no further than Thomas Hoffler's memo uh, advocating for the addition of the citizenship question to, be, to advantage non-Hispanic whites. Okay. 
The mere threat of a citizenship question is only discriminatory. Not only does it cause fear in a society that already rounds up its immigrants and deports them, but now with the information we have about Japanese internment camps and post 9-11 surveillance, why would anyone want to share anything with the government? I don't blame people. However, it is what it is. And if you don't participate, you can't receive federal funding. So vote in November. Let's burn this shit down. Revolution. Let's go. <laughs> One more time for the people in the back. Let's go. <laughs> it's true. We need to fill out our census in order to have properly allocated funding going back to our communities. We need it for school lunch programs, Medi-Cal, child care, school loans, housing grants, all these types of programs like WIC. We all pay taxes. And remember, some who can't legally vote are still paying taxes. Mm -hmm. So honestly, presidential election aside, real change starts with our local elections. And we have the opportunity to change the Senate come this November. So again, please vote. And if you're looking to get involved, please visit our website at itmattersf.com. That's right. Moving along now. So we've seen how poorly this administration has treated its non-white population. Megan, I know you mentioned there was an unofficial, official 2020 census pamphlet that included the citizenship question, which should never have gone out to the public. Also, there was a census survey that forms were going out to actual employees of the census that included the citizenship question, which again, should never have even been approved. Mm. Like what the actual fuck? What the actual fuck is happening? Honestly, so to be super clear, the Republican National Convention was sending out pamphlets saying 2020 census that had the citizenship question that went nowhere and it was fine. And it yet, was just fine. I would love to see the numbers of how many fucking people actually filled that shit out, mm-hmm. but then didn't fill out the census. Mm-hmm. Right? Thinking it was the official it's census. It's literally <sighs> like us, like, hey, you sent my parents and my grandparents this thing. With That's yeah. legit like, another and undercount. And on the same topic of undercounting minorities, there is a huge lack of demographic questions regarding the LGBTQ community. This census will ask if you are in a same-sex relationship and proper funding. Maybe because they're trying to exclude trans people from resources and erase them from our history, which Mm. luckily we have the census and we should literally not do that. It was Marsha P. Johnson who said, darling, I don't have a job. I'm Mm. on welfare. I have Mm. no intention of getting a job as Mm. long as this country discriminates against homosexuals. (sighs) Say that again, girl. It just makes sense. Like, why would you want to support the system that's not supporting you? And if we're already asking all these questions, let's account for everybody, please. Absolutely. So we're all caught up on the history of the census under count, and we've discussed why it'll most likely happen again in our rural and black and brown communities for this decennial census. Sam, why don't you tell us what the 2020 census looks like? Now, during a, I don't know, a global pandemic. (laughs) So, 2020 census. We are in the thick of it with four C's at the end of thick. Um, So, a normal... (laughs) (laughs) So, a normal census year sounds a little something like this. March, households begin receiving information on how to respond to the census. 
um, between March 30th and April 1st, census counts the homeless. April 1st is census day. And then April, the census takes a visit to large groups of people such as living on campus or people living in uh, senior centers. May through July, census takers will visit homes that haven't responded. In December, data is delivered to the president and Congress. And hopefully the president and the last president of Trump's term. No, that's nothing. That's Delete that part. But COVID has us fucked all the way up this year. Hell yeah, they do. The census was almost immediately behind schedule, considering April 1st happened in the middle of a shelter-in-place mandated by SF and other places around the country. This means that census workers can't leave their homes. This is important when trying to count hard-to-count communities. Homeless counts, soup kitchens, students were not counted before COVID-19 hit. Normally, we'd be gearing up to send out canvassers to count people who haven't responded. Considering they gutted those resources, it's not really looking good. And when it comes to SF, they set up kiosks to take the census in libraries across the city for people to go in and fill it out. But libraries aren't open. Organizations like SF Interfaith Council are doing their best to count the hard-to-count folks. But with COVID and everyone getting moved into hotel rooms and unhoused folks coming into the city, it's making the count inaccurate. The city itself set aside $2 million to give organizations like the SF Interfaith Council to help get a more accurate account. And nationally, people staying home because of COVID helped fill it out. But with the death count on the rise, it is looking like almost 100,000 people that filled out the census could be dead before the year is over. And that is morbid as fuck. Yeah, that's hella deep. I should mention, I actually got two follow-up phone calls from a census employee. One of them had mentioned how she's actually been working since January, since the beginning of the year, because she's a considered an essential worker. But, of course, she couldn't disclose exactly, like, more information on that. But I think it's important to realize that people are still working for the census. Mm-hmm. It's just, again, because of the budget cuts, <laughs> you know, the resources are still not up to par for what they were for the last they one. They need yeah. help. Yeah. Yep. They're still working. Shout out to them. I hope they're having a good day because they are essential as fuck. And also, the self-response rate is lower Compared to last year's, I should mention this is the like the digital version. It's not obviously the writing write in mm-hmm. or like sent in by mail, the but it's it's the all it's all online responses. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say if it's because of the current global pandemic that the self response rates are lower, or if it's just because people are uninformed. Um, and again, looking at the maps now of where these people are being undercounted, it's those small rural mm-hmm. communities that have the lower response rate to yeah. this day yeah either way low fucking numbers mm-hmm. absolutely so the census.gov site has updated its schedule for special dates or the hard to count which we just kind of ran down that it starts back up in july however with the budget cuts in addition to unclear health directives from state and federal government it'll be more important than ever to participate in these organizations that we've are about to discuss to make sure that everyone is counted. So what are some of the city organizations helping to count everyone in the census? 
So, the main city organizations that has oversight on the census in SF is the Office of Civic Engagement and Immigrant Affairs, or the OCEIA. And they post virtual committee meetings on the census. Um, the next one is on July 10th, but since you're probably going to miss that by the time this, come out, this comes out, um, you could just go ahead and check on their website for details. But about the OCEIA, they are working closely with organi organizations throughout the city, and one in particular that I thought was helpful was the San Francisco Interfaith Council. If you visit their website, they provide you with a whole toolkit on how other orgs in the city are dealing with the census. Again... They're all going to be on our website, which is It Matters SF. Dwakwam, girl. One more time for the people in the back. One more time, one more time. It Matters SF. We want to kind of touch on at the end here on the importance of filling out the census. Obviously, how do you fill out the census? Go to census.gov. You can fill the census out by phone, by mail, or online. Several languages are available, which is great. You can also request a callback in order to make sure you have the time and attention to fill out the census form. You should also expect calls from the Census Bureau if your household hasn't been filled out by the census yet. They will be calling. And if you check out our Instagram at ItMattersSF, you'll see a cute little video on how to fill it out. Thanks for listening to part two of the census coverage. Please check out the sources to our episode which include the congressional hearing videos that we have featured today. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you get the latest episodes of not only our 2020 coverage, but local news out of SF City Hall. Cheers, stay healthy, stay sane, and make sure to get some sun as well. Bye! And stay informed, y'all! And stay healthy! It